I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome to News Du Jour. You may be wondering, why am I, Annie Bowles, here hosting this podcast? I usually start by telling people I'm a political baby. You see, my parents met working on Capitol Hill. By the time I was two, I had been in my first political commercial and even got lost crawling around the West Wing. Don't worry, Al Gore found me. My family then moved abroad when I was nine, and I attended an international school in Brussels with kids from all over the world, and it is this type of global perspective that I also bring to our show. I graduated from American University in D.C. after studying political science and art history, as well as interning on both sides of Capitol Hill. I even interned down the hall from where my parents met. I'm now pursuing a professional certificate in journalism at NYU in conjunction with Rolling Stone magazine. I guess I was always that friend in the group who cared deeply about not just what was going on politically, but also globally. I often kept my own friends informed through high school and into young adulthood. So I guess I've always done a version of this show. I'm genuinely passionate about following the news, and I'm here to break it down for you guys every weekday. We always strive to be a calmer space to get your news, or as one listener put it, like getting your news from a well-informed bestie. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back. So I know I've already mentioned this, but I wanted to make sure everybody knew and we're on the same page that my birthday is this Thursday. So I'm going to be taking that day off as I will also be traveling, meaning tomorrow we're not going to have an episode. You guys know that because I'm a one woman show producing this show five days a week, by myself, I have to take breaks from time to time for my sanity and health. And I will have a special bonus episode coming out for you guys on Monday to make up for it. So don't worry, I'm not leaving you hanging, but stay tuned for that. And if you wanted to get me a little birthday gift, what I'm asking for this year is for you to sign the petition for SB 1470 that is linked in our show notes. This is an important piece of legislation to do with domestic violence. And in case you missed where we talked about what this episode is, or excuse me, what this legislation is, There are tons of links to more information at the petition. So if you go to that link that's in our show notes and just look at the info on the petition, we have a link to a podcast that's all about this. We have links to the actual legislation so you can read the language for yourself. We have summaries of what it means, et cetera, et cetera. So there's tons of information there. If you're like, maybe I'd like to sign this, Annie endorses it, but I'm not so sure I do, then go to that 
link in our show notes and you can check out all the resources there about this important legislation. I'm also keeping my DMs open as per always so you guys can slide into my DMs with any questions you may have about SB 1470. But I will say it's getting broad support from both sides of the aisle so far. So it is completely a bipartisan effort and something very exciting for our state. Okay, and without further ado, I'm going to catch you guys up for the week. Today, we're starting off with Capitol Hill drama, for lack of a better term. We have a couple different like smaller stories under that umbrella category. We have one update to do with global conflicts, and then we're going to talk about a Kenyan cult leader who's been charged with the death of 191 children. Let's jump in. So first and foremost, like I said, we're going to start off with some Capitol Hill drama. We have a ton of little updates that have been kind of piling up. So I thought we would go through them kind of bullet point style as one story. Let's jump in. So first and foremost, I wanted to let you guys know that Alejandro Mayorkas is in the clear. As predicted, there was no real evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors and the House rejected impeachment charges against him. In spite of the fact, though, that the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, was in favor of impeachment charges. So that is definitely embarrassing for Johnson. That is a fall on your face moment. It means that he doesn't have the kind of leadership one would hope the Speaker of the House would have. And it is a win for Mayorkas and, of course, Biden. So onward and upward. Next up in our little Capitol Hill updates, New Hampshire residents received these robocalls that actually impersonated President Biden. It turns out it was not President Biden who's behind these calls, but rather a company called Life Corporation. These calls were specifically made to Democrats in New Hampshire, urging them not to vote in the state's primary for some reason. It was totally bizarre and yet another murky situation to do with AI to add to our giant pile of awkward and scary reasons that AI is just not really a friendly. But Life Corporation is now under investigation for these activities as they could have breached campaign finance laws and or New Hampshire laws that basically prohibit any efforts to deter or prevent someone from voting. What's more, the New York Times found that this company, Life Corporation, had received funds from the Republican Party as well as congressional candidates from both sides of the aisle. So this is definitely a very strange, you know, digital age issue and one that will be very important to be aware of going into the crazy 2024 presidential election season. So keep your guard up, guys. If you're getting weird phone calls, they're probably just that weird phone calls. And for our next update, more bickering and drama amongst Republicans has meant that aid might not get to Ukraine or Israel. If you remember, Republicans are trying to tie their funding for Ukraine to security at the border. And given that things are heating up along the border right now, Biden and the Democrats came to the negotiating table on that topic and proposed a deal that would do both, you know, fund Ukraine, fund the border. But without much explanation, President Trump called the deal a bad deal and demanded that Republican leaders not vote for it. Again, this was an instance where Democrats really tried to give Republicans what they were asking for, but were rebuffed. 
So then when Republicans try to pass funding for Israel without funding for Ukraine, the Democrats said, fuck no, and they shot it down. I think Trump's real reasoning behind blocking this bill is that he doesn't want Biden to be able to say he's doing anything about the border. I think a lot of Trump's platform is built on fears about the U.S.-Mexico border. And so if Biden has passed legislation to point to on the campaign trail that shows he's working on it, it would definitely weaken Trump's platform. What's more, we know Putin and Trump are cozy. Obviously, this is well documented. So if he would block funding to Ukraine and block Biden's border efforts in one fell swoop, well, I can't imagine he would do anything but jump at that. So while we're on the subject of Capitol Hill, though, I wanted to circle back to Trump's defeat in federal courts on the argument that presidents are immune to all prosecution. More details have come out that I thought were interesting. Just a a couple little tidbits for you guys. But the defeat was actually handed down by a three-judge ring who all unanimously voted against former President Trump. Additionally, it's important to note that this was historical because it is the first time a former president has ever been indicted in the first place. The courts never had to answer this question because no president ever needed to ask it until Trump. And further, these judges actually painted Trump's claim to full immunity from any crimes as a dangerous one. So it's fair to say not only did Trump lose, but he lost pretty handedly. And it'll be interesting to see whether these arguments that these federal court judges wrote out would affect a Supreme Court decision in any way. And I have a a feeling we're going to be finding out soon. So that is it for Capitol Hill political news for the day. Now we're going to head over to Israel for one global conflict update. Content warning, this story involves war. So like I said, we only have one update on global conflicts today. And it started out as a positive update and then took a an extreme U-turn, I guess you could say. Hamas gave a quote-unquote positive response to the proposed deal with Israel. We don't have a lot of details on what was in this offer from Israel or what Hamas has responded as a counteroffer. However, since I began writing this, I had to delete about half of it and reword a bunch of things because Netanyahu came back with a fiery no to the demands from Hamas. And again, we don't really know what the specifics of these demands were, but he went as far as to call them delusional. And this led to the group vowing to continue fighting until quote unquote absolute victory. I'm definitely nervous to imagine what they mean by that or what it would really look like if either side were to completely get their way given how the war has gone so far. I'll definitely keep you guys posted though no matter what is around the corner. My prayer is that the fighting can stop soon and that all the hostages get home safely. Okay, so that is our one global conflict update. And now we're going to take, you know, a trip over to Africa, to Kenya, where we're going to be talking about a Kenyan cult leader who's been charged with the death of 191 children. Obviously have to issue a massive content warning here. This story involves coercive control, child abuse and murder. 
So there was an alleged cult leader in Kenya who was just arrested by the name of Paul McKenzie. He preached that the world was about to end and reportedly encouraged his followers to starve themselves. McKenzie underwent a mental health evaluation alongside other leaders of this cult. And while one leader was found unfit, McKenzie himself was found to be fit to stand trial. There are now hundreds of people missing who were associated with this cult following, about 612 to be exact, according to the New York Times. And hundreds of shallow graves were found in the area where the cult was living. The bodies have been exhumed to be tested for evidence, but some of those rescued from the cult are actually still refusing to eat at the health facility where they are recuperating. Unfortunately, suicide is actually still a crime under Kenyan law, and the New York Times said that this was actually something that was left over from the colonial days, from British rule. I haven't had time to fact check that, but I did want to add that in there for a little understanding of how that got to be a law in the first place. But obviously, do your own research on that because I haven't had time to dive into that. But these people potentially stand to be charged with a crime for starving themselves, which is just, you know, adding insult to injury here. Luckily, a Kenyan Human Rights Watch group was able to negotiate with officials to make sure that these victims stay at the health facility rather than being transferred to a prison. The country actually has an evangelical president, but even he was so disturbed by the findings that he has ordered a commission to be assembled to investigate this build a memorial for the victims, and look at the potential need for legislation that monitors religious extremism within Kenya. You see, Paul McKenzie paraded himself around as a pastor, and he was the head of the Good News International Church. He wasn't going around telling anyone that he was a cult leader because, you know, They never do, but the Good News International Church has now been designated as a criminal organization. So given that he dressed up this cult as a church, that is where this deeper look at religious extremism may be warranted. What's more, not all of the victims were found to have died of starvation. While many did die of starvation after being encouraged by these church leaders to starve themselves, the government found that others died of strangulation and asphyxiation, which means murder was likely some type of practice in this cult. Ironically, though, Mackenzie seems to have been eating just fine in his jail cell. Meanwhile, those who are still under his spell are still suffering and will likely be suffering for many years to come. We'll definitely keep you guys posted as this court case unfolds. Just one last reminder before we go for the week to please, please, please sign the petition in our show notes in support of Senate Bill 1470. And again, if you're unsure as to whether or not you'd like to sign, there are actually tons of resources, you know, sort of compiled, linked in that petition notes in the information section. So you can actually go to that link in our show notes for the petition and get 
lots more information in the process. I love you guys. Thank you for understanding when I need to take breaks. Thank you for being the most wonderful, supportive community out there. And that for this week is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive that is youer than you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar free media. And that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at it's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from Oklahoma.